video. Okay, and downtown that is here, it has been far too long, has it not? Thank you, downtown, for coming uptown. <laughs> I'm so glad that we are here together this morning. I am kind of overwhelmed um, with God and all that he is doing in our midst. And um, I really believe that the word this morning, I pray that it encourages you in the season that we're in. And uh, even during worship, I was reminded of a scripture that I'm reading. And I'd like to pray first and just get straight into the word this morning. Is that okay? All right. Well, Father, oh, man, you're on the move. And I, I adore this part of the church that you have allowed us to be a part of. That, God, we are a, a big body across the earth. And we are just here in New York City, combined two communities, playing our part, connected to the rest of the body. And God, there is such urgency in the hour for us to truly be the church, for us to truly lean in and understand your eternal perspective and what you are doing. And this morning, wherever there is a veil over our eyes or our heart and where we're maybe not understanding our purpose or our place in this big eternal picture that you are painting across the earth, God, would you open our eyes this morning and would we lean into it? Would we hear what you have for us? Because the earth truly is groaning. And I think, you know, all of us who are in this room, I'm pretty sure we have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to understand that, God, the darkness is getting darker, but therefore our light must be the light and be in those places and spaces that you have called us to, that we would follow you into the highways and the byways and the spaces that you have placed us, and that we would live fully awake and alive, pouring our lives out for you, expanding your kingdom territory where darkness is trying to take a hold. We will play our part. And so this morning, may we hear you and lean in. Would you lead this time together? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I love that we have been doing uh, the Faker Follower series. Um, some of you may be newer visiting with us, or maybe you've just heard about this series, or maybe you've been away and you're back at church today and uh, you're wondering what this is. So I, over the last year, I kind of want to preface this for you guys so you understand it, and then I want to kind of pour out what God wants to pour out this morning. Is that, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago, and some of you, if you're at She Is For You, would have already heard this, but... Um, you know, I was in a place where I was very disturbed and shaken. You know, a lot's going on in the world. And the last three years, specifically, it feels like a bit of an eruption has taken place, right? Things that are always there, but they've just come to the surface. And that these things aren't a distraction, actually, from what we're called to do. They are an entry point and an opportunity for the gospel, right? And I think we need to make sure our focus and our perspective is right in the times that we're living in. Because it's not a mistake that you're alive. It's not a mistake that you're breathing. It's not a mistake that you're here. You have purpose in the times we are living in. And so, you know, I had been preaching uh, down south and a beautiful church, beautiful people, and God was moving. Great things were happening. People were giving their lives to Jesus. People were getting healed. And when I got down off the stage, a woman came up to me. And like I said, some of you have heard this story, but she came up to me and well-meaning, I believe. And she said, well, aren't you just cute and entertaining? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> And I understood cute. I was like, well, thank you. Um, but also entertaining. I'm sorry. And, and for a moment, I was so angry when she called me entertaining. And I went into one of those contemplative spirals, you know, where you're trying to, like, have a normal face still. But you're like, I want to choke you. I want to – I'm like, I don't understand how you can come to church and call this entertaining. And, and so I went into this inward spiral in myself and, and realized, I'm like, God, what are we doing? 
What am I building? What are we building? And God was really pressing back on my heart and my motive. And our motive as a Western church, can we be clear that it's the Western church? Going, God, what are we doing? Are we feeding people, like making them consumers and going, stop being consumers, but we're actually cultivating that as pastors and leaders? Or God, are we activating the people to go out into their spheres of influence, not entertaining them, but feeding them and challenging them and loving them and encouraging them to go, get out there. The world really needs you. And I was like, God, if we are cultivating an entertainment culture, please forgive me. So I was in the middle of that, you know, and God gave me this dream and all of these different things that happened that really, really spoke to me. And, um, and at the same time, my mother-in-law was, as many of you know, was in the middle of a battle with a brain tumor that she lost. And we were believing with everything that she would be healed, even to the last minute, you know. And what was interesting in that time was I felt the, this nudge, you know, that said, hey, Andy, If you were to write a letter to your children, if you knew how much time, if you knew the day and the time and the moment that you would leave this earth, what letter would you write to your church? What letter would you write to your children? What legacy would you leave? And really this book, Fake or Follower, is that letter. And so I wrote a love letter really for you, Liberty Church. And honestly, we have free copies out there. Why? Because we want to give you a letter for free. How does that sound? So if you haven't grabbed one of those yet, we have them out there. It is for you to take home. But don't take it lightly. Let it challenge you. Grab God by the hand and walk into it. Let it confront you in a way where you're like, God, am I faking this or am I following Jesus? Because the times we're living in need the church to be awake and alive and alert and moving forward. Not afraid, because fear is the tactic that is being used. Have you noticed? So when you think about what we we look at as terrorism, what is is the main tactic there? It is fear. Fear that something could happen any time, any place, any moment, so it stops us from living. But have you noticed that we're using fear against each other now? Fear that we'll say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, do all of the, and so everyone is afraid. Fear is just being stirred up everywhere. So therefore, we have to lean into the eternal. I'm reading in Timothy right now, 2 Timothy, and this is not in my notes, so I'm sorry, team. Um, I'm going to get right into my notes in a moment. But this is what I was reminded of during worship. I'm reading 2 Timothy, and this is believed to be the last letter that Paul wrote from prison before he died. So you think about what the last thing you would say, the last thing you would leave with the person, Timothy, that was a son in the faith, the person that you're like, please run your race. And he was reminding Timothy of the times that they were living in and what it would be. This is the characteristics of the last days. So it says this, but you need to be aware, Verse three. this is 2 Timothy 3, if you want to go back and read it later because they won't have it on the screen. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. (laughs) People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires, they will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted, and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of loving God. And it goes on. But then he encourages them in how to live. And that is what I want to do this morning is going, 
You guys, it's easy to see what's going on in this world, is it not? Hello, Ashley prayed for it. My heart was broken. Yes, sir. I'm like, what is going on as I'm driving through the Upper East Side and seeing that along where all the synagogues are, there's more police, there's lots of things going on, right? It's not hard to see the darkness, but again, therefore, we must be the light. We must lean into the eternal. And so this is why living toward eternity is what I'm going to be speaking on this morning because I think this is a word in season for us. This is from one of the chapters in the book, and like I said, go ahead and grab that. But Revelation twenty two seventeen says this, the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come. Okay. Just get that for a moment. See in the time where there is darkness, where things are going on, the spirit of God and the bride, which is us is saying, come, come right now. And when you get that revelation for yourself, you can't help but get out there and be going, guys, there is something more. There is better. There is the kingdom of heaven that you can taste and see that God is good in the midst of what we are walking through. Let the one who is thirsty say, come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Oh man, I love the bride. I love the church. I love that we get to be a part of her. I love the picture of who loves weddings? Who like loves going to weddings? I talk about this all the time at She Is Free. I was talking about who fights for the aisle seats at the weddings? So you can take all the pictures, unless it's one of those weddings where you're not allowed to use your phone anymore because <laughs> you're ruining their photos. Um, but, you know, uh, which is fine. I am not actually slagging anyone. I'm just saying that's probably a good idea. Let's go old school. Um, but, you know, I love, whether you have a phone or not, I love being on the aisle because I love watching the bride come down. And then I love seeing the reaction on the groom's face. And I'm like the awkward person in the middle, like looking back and forth. But I, I'm like, is he crying? Oh, my gosh, he's crying. He's so happy. He's so awesome. And the bride is trying to not cry because she's like, I have so much makeup on and I've worked hard for this one day and you know it's a thing and so um I I have pictures of my wedding day do you want to see it it's hilarious they're probably really fuzzy because it's like a picture of a picture before there was like you know I I don't know do you guys have them oh look at look how cute my look how happy he is because I'm an awesome bride so um but this is the picture of the church, right? This is the, I love actually, my husband's smile, like his eyes disappear and he's, he's just the sweetest. And I remember my parents walking me down the aisle together and just how amazing that moment was as my husband stood there with total joy on his face. I mean, look how he keeps, look, I'm like, look how he's looking at me. I like went back and looked at these. I'm like, oh my gosh. But do you know that's how Jesus looks at you, his bride? And that's why I wanted to do this because it's a picture. The spirit and the bride say, come, but we are the bride that is being prepared in the times that we're living in. And Jesus is looking to us going, I'm so happy with you and proud of you, but how are you preparing yourself? What are you leaning into? It matters. You know, my friend Mo Isom, who is going to be at She Is Free next year, which, by the way, you guys turn out. We're, like, already almost sold out for next year, so good job. Um, <laughs> I was like, whoa, rawr, you guys are ravenous. You're ready to come to She Is Free. But Mo is going to be there next year, and she wrote a book called Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot About. And she really paints this picture of the bride. And, and you know, we were talking, and, um, and, and she told me of this revelation. She was in Jerusalem. So I want you to get this picture when it comes to leaning into the eternal and your part as the bride. So see where I'm going here. You are the bride. You are being prepared. So she was driving through Israel, with, uh, through Jerusalem, actually, and um, with her host. That was a Jewish man and a, a Messianic Jew. And he was driving her, and she's like, why is every other house here under construction? 
I don't understand. And he goes, well, haven't you, haven't you heard the scriptures? And she's like, yeah, like which one, <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, when Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I don't want you to worry because I'm going to go and be with my father and I'm going to prepare a place for you. There are many rooms in my father's house. I will come back for you. It was like, I'm going to come back for you, but right now I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Well, so he explained, Jesus was using the terminology of marriage of that day. So in that day, when um, a man wanted to marry a woman, if he found someone he wanted to marry, he'd say, will you be my betrothed? He would ask the father, and if she said yes, then he would go, okay, I'm going to go back to my father's house, and we're going to build a room on the house. And only when that room is finished, and when my father says, okay, you can go and get your bride, is he able to go and get his bride? Now, it matters how the bride is living, acting, and what she's doing, because if she's like, sure, I'll marry you, but I'm going to go sleep around a little bit. I'm going to go, like, taste some other water and see what I think, while the groom is getting the house ready for her, and he doesn't know. She doesn't know when he'll return. See, Jesus was using a picture for us going, hey, bride, how are you living? Because you don't know the day that I'll return. He's going, I don't know the day that I'll return, but right now I'm preparing a place for you in your eternal home. Are you being washed and cleansed by the washing of the, of the water of the word? Are you living surrendered lives? Are you walking in purity and power? Because I will come back. And then he's using the parable of the 10 virgins. What is that about? Why do five get in and five not? That's freaking me out. Like, we're like, no, everybody is happy, right? No, that's about the Holy Spirit. You can't live off of somebody else's revelation. You need the oil in your lamp of the Holy Spirit, your own revelation to lean in to the eternal. Do we understand what is going on here? We got to read this thing a lot, okay? Keep reading it. Don't come up with your own opinions and ideas. Read it. Actually read it. Uh, like for reals though because I sit with people and they're like well that's not what I believe I was like I don't really care what you believe like have you actually read what this says and then ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to you through that is that are you guys glad I'm here this morning okay so like please God okay so so what's interesting here so we've got to lean into the eternal right because when we go wait time out we're the bride this matters it matters how we live right now it matters what we lean into because the world is, is right here. We are part of the world. We are flesh and blood on purpose. But what are we leaning into? Eugene H. Peterson, did anybody see that this week? You know, I've talked about his book, The Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He did the message translation um, of, of the Bible, and, and he passed away. And, and the, the line on, what, what did it say? It said, um, Eugene H. Peterson, Peterson, I think it said, like, finishes his long obedience in the same direction. And I wept when I saw that. Because I was like, this is a man who was a pastor of pastors, who shepherded people, who cared about the bride, who lived this way where he leaned into the eternal. He lived toward eternity, understanding that this earth, you guys, it will fade away. <laughs> it just will. And sometimes we forget that. And so I love the C.S. Lewis quote. I say it all the time. You guys know it. You hear it. You probably can quote it now, too, where it says, aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. And I think what we've got to understand is, once again, we're on this earth. It is not a mistake. But what we need to do is go, okay, I am bumping up against a lot of earth. There is a lot of things going on. But God, I need your eternal perspective so that when I'm praying your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just a prayer. It's a reality. I'm going, what kingdom do you need me to expand today? What can I do today? How can I speak to somebody today? Love somebody today? Pray for somebody today? How can I live towards eternity? 
Here's an excerpt that I wrote um, in my book, and it says this. Our following of Jesus is a day-in, day-out choice of leaning into the eternal and living in such a way that our lives here on earth align with our divine inheritance. Following Jesus is more than just quoting our favorite scripture passages as if they were band-aids for our problems. It's a trust that every word of God is true, deeply healing and transformative. Living toward eternity is a life of beautiful, uncompromising surrender. We, the bride, are being perfected every day if we so choose. In his book, Preparing for Heaven, Gary Black says, The bride of Christ is being perfected. Every wrinkle and spot is being removed. In our relational dynamics, where this cleansing and pressing must be most intensely focused, yikes, God will make this come to pass. The question is when, not if. We should ask ourselves if we are willing to be straightened out in regard to our relationships. How's everyone doing? Um, Am I willing to have my spotted bruises exposed to God's light and love? Am I willing to recognize the damage I have inflicted? Oh, man. On others, to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit's guidance regarding my fears blaming and isolation so that I can learn how to live in harmony and unity with those in my life who are most near and dear to me and to God. If I am not, I must ask why. Jesus's prayer in John 17 is amazing, mysterious, and beautiful in the depth of relationship it describes. Can I endure such intimacy? Do I long to know and be known by others? Do I want to? My relationships on earth will provide all the evidence I need to determine that answer. How's everyone doing again? You guys good? Taking this in? Okay. It's ironic to consider that our preparation for heaven should be marked by relationships on earth so significant, rich, and fulfilling that we are torn by the unsolvable dilemma of wanting to stay in the comfort of our loving relations while here, here while longing to rekindle and start new relationships that lie in waiting. Is that how you live your life now? So I just wrote this. We are invited daily to be continually perfected in Christ. Do we really want it, or are we content to cruise, you know, whatever, which is also faking it? And if we are content in a harmful, detrimental sense, what does that tell us about what we're leaning into? This earth will fade away, but eternity never will, so we must ask ourselves, what are we living for, and what are we preparing for? There are are more facets of Christ to discover, more of the mystery and majesty of God to find like hidden treasure, and the Holy Spirit is our gift and guide on this pilgrimage of faith and encounter. So I just want to give you two quick things in the time that we have because I think we would all say, like, of course I want to, like, live toward eternity. Like, duh. Like, that's not, you're not like, no, I'm out of here. That's not what I want. But it's kind of like, okay, that sounds really ethereal and amazing. How do we actually do that? How do we purposefully walk out those doors equipped and activated to lean into the eternal? Um, Well, the first thing, I just have two thoughts for you. And the first one is this. Fix your eyes on the unseen. Fix your eyes on the unseen. Okay, you're like, I hate this point. This, okay. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18. Fix your eyes on the unseen. Does that sound like an oxymoron to anybody else? Where you're like, <laughs> does it, do, okay, does anybody remember stereograms, those pictures? Okay, I've got one for you. I wonder if anyone, can you put that up? Okay, those pictures where it was like, can you see what's in there? And I'm like, absolutely not. I see nothing. And some of you are like, oh, my gosh, I totally see 
see it. You are people that I'm like, you're lying. You cannot be. My mom, she'd be like, oh my gosh, I see a unicorn jumping over a rainbow. And it's like, I'm like, how do you see that? It's like, you know, trying to fix your eyes on the unseen. Do, do, who sees it? Who can see what's in there? Uh, it's a word. Uh, hopefully, it's not a bad word. Hopefully, because I can't see it. So I just picked one. So, <laughs> which is funny. I didn't ask for anyone that I knew that could see them to help me out. I probably should have done that. Um, but you can, t- you can take it down now. <laughs> is that a word for you, like for the day? Um, <laughs> but sometimes I feel like that's how we feel when we're trying to fix our eyes on the unseen, right? We feel like, oh, I'm trying. And I, this is why I loved even... Um, I love that, that we've got to remember that we're all actually created to hear the voice of God. You're, we're actually created. You think about the garden. Okay, we were created to walk in the cool of the garden with God. We are created to hear his voice. It was only, only when the enemy sneaks into our lives and goes, listen to me. You can't hear God. He's withholding from you. They were like, yeah, yeah. We, we, how come we can so easily hear Satan's voice? We're like, <laughs> the negativity. But we're like, I can't hear God. Wait, what? No, we are created by God for God to hear God. So some of you may feel an inkling of what God is saying. Some of you may audibly hear. Some of you may know what God is saying. There are many ways. Some of you may see in pictures. You may hear in dreams. So you've got to understand you're actually created to tune in to the voice of God, to lean into the eternal. So don't let that lie come in where you're like, I can't hear God. And if you're struggling to hear the voice of God or know how you were created to hear him, see, I love having four children because they're all so uniquely different in the way that they hear from God and operate with him. And so We're all the same in that way that we're all so different. We'll have a prayer team that will be up here that would love to pray for you, to break down walls so that you can hear from God in the way that you are created to. But the thing is, is it's easily to get caught up and caught off guard. Because you may see a picture like this, which looks like life going on around you, and it's very easy to fix our eyes on the scene. But to lean into the eternal, to fix your eyes on the unseen is hard. Now, there's just a little story for an illustration here. When we first moved here, I think we have a picture of, um, it's a really probably fuzzy one, of the horse and carriage one. I sent that this morning. If, do you guys have that one? You, no? Is that a? No. I got this. I got the emoji. No. Um, <laughs> So um, that's okay. When we first moved here, uh, we only had three kids at the time. We have a fourth now. But um, my kids were so small and used to driving in a car everywhere. So you move here, and they're tiny. And so I had to have, like, a double stroller and then a leash. Just kidding. I never had a leash. Um, but I, I made Zeke hold on to the stroller. And so he never let, even to the point where, to this day, if there's a stroller there, it's his reflex to grab onto it. I am not kidding. He is 13. Okay. <laughs> Um, that's how intense I was. Hold on, you're going to die. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we were walking, and, and, you know, we had gotten to a point where they had good boundaries. So I was like, you know, we're just going to walk up to the park, no stroller today. So they were playing a little game where they were running back and forth. And you may have heard this story before, too, but they're running back and forth. And Jesse, my second one, he's, you know, he's a wild one. He's a little wild card. And when he was younger, I was like, oh, Lord, what, are we going to be okay? <laughs> um, but he was running back and forth, and then at one stage, he didn't stop running. And he was running towards the street, Smith Street, where there was oncoming traffic. And I could see, and it was one of those moments where the whole world stopped, right? And I remember, I I said his name, Jesse. Jesse. And then, because I had a tiny little Finley, and Ziku, you know, was bigger, but tiny little Finley. And I'm like, what do I do? I've got one running. I can't leave these ones here. I don't know what they're going to do. So I screamed the scream that stops the world. (laughs) And literally the whole street stopped. 
they all stopped. Everyone turned. It was like the slow motion turn. <laughs> but Michael, the crossing guard, who is still the crossing guard to this day, and I, uh, I, I tell his story. I had to get permissions from him. Can I tell your story and put your name in my book? Um, <laughs> to this day, he turns, look, hears, looks at me, looks at Jesse, runs across the street. And the moment Jesse puts his foot in the street, Michael scoops him up and a car goes by. Y- yeah. And this was me. I was like, <laughs> like the shaking. My other kids are like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like sitting there shaking. And Michael brings him over. I'm like, whoo, whoo, you know, awkward crying and, you know, being really awesome. Welcome to New York. And, um, and, and but Michael says, look what you did to your mama. Don't you ever do that again. You know, Jesse has never run away from me again. So, um, <laughs> but you know what was interesting? Do you know what was natural for me in that moment was to explain death to my children was to explain the eternal to my children. And I wrote this down. I said, I realized that neither Jesse nor any of my kids had a true understanding of eternity, and therefore, running towards oncoming traffic was of no consequence in Jesse's three-year-old mind. Not because he wanted to be careless and die, but because he simply wasn't aware. Understanding and leaning into the eternal are detrimental to our lives here on earth. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There is a whole other world at work that we cannot see with the naked eye, a world that is more real than the one we have our feet set on and from which we receive our oxygen. And when we don't understand, fix our eyes on, or have vision for something greater, we dwell carelessly on earth. (gasps) We can't dwell carelessly, can we? We're living in times where we absolutely cannot dare um, dwell carelessly, quickly. How do you fix your eyes on the unseen? Practical. Okay, let's think about this. How do we do this in our everyday life? Well, the first thing is be intentional. We just have to be intentional because dwelling carelessly causes us to fix our eyes on the wrong things. So what we have to do is be intentional, whatever that looks like for you. Is that five minutes of reading your Bible a day? Because right now you may not be reading it at all. So what if you're like, I'm going to intentionally fix my eyes on something eternal. I'm going to read those letters from Paul and see what he's saying about the world we're living in in the end time. And I'm going to read five minutes a day, and I'm going to be intentional. You've got to position yourself in the presence of God. You've got to be intentional about that as well. Um, Maybe that's intentionality in community, intentionality in discipleship, intentionality in the presence of God in your own home. You know, the morning of She is Free, I woke up with a heaviness that I haven't felt in a long time, and I don't get migraines. I don't get headaches I you know depression is like I have broken free from that so like all of those things came on me I couldn't open my eyes you know when you have dreams and you can't open your eyes you know that feeling in a dream where you're like I can't see that was my real life I woke up and I came upstairs and I was like I have a migraine I I felt like I was glued to the bed I feel depressed and sad and my dad just goes puts his hands on my shoulders and he goes this is how we fight our battles I was like okay Thanks, Dad. And um, so I was like, see you guys later. So I went downstairs. I went into my room, and I turned on that song. I was like, okay, we'll just go with that one. And so then I was like a crazy lady dancing around the room, and I told y'all I got my flags. I got my own flags. I'm like flagging in my room. I'm like, my neighbors are like, what is going on? <laughs> and you know what? Everything lifted. Do you, I kid you not, and God gave me clarity for she is free. And, and honestly, I don't know if you were there, but like, I was like, what is going on here? God, you are, wow. And so, but I had to be intentional and position myself in the presence of God. Because how easy is it to let that heaviness just follow you all day long? How many of us have gone to work all day long like that without going, I didn't position myself in the presence of God and take authority and come into alignment with what is rightfully my inheritance as a son or daughter of God? 
Um, you know, we've got to just ask questions. Is there something deeper I'm not seeing here? Hello? You guys, when you're in a dark situation, a hard situation, go, God, what am I not seeing? Will you reveal that to me? Will you speak to me, God? Maybe it's reconciliation with someone. Maybe God is pruning something. Maybe he wants you to sow something. I don't know what it is, but go, God, what is at hand here? What's the bigger play at hand here that maybe I'm not seeing? And then always, always, always look back on his faithfulness. You cannot go wrong. That helps you lean into the eternal. When you remember, oh, that's why communion is powerful. Worship is powerful. Because we remember, we lean into, and we press and live towards eternity when we remember his faithfulness because he'll do it again. Amen? And so the second point is this. Um, so, so the first one, uh, you know, I, fix your eyes on the unseen and just practically ways you can do that. But the second one is we've got to ask ourselves, am I hearing and doing or just hearing? Am I hearing and doing or just hearing? Because we can easily hear and not do, and then we're not living towards eternity because we're just hearing about it but not activating it. Does that make sense? So James 1, through 25 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. That's interesting. We deceive ourselves. Ain't nobody have to do it for us. So do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I do think it's interesting that we can listen to the word and still not do it, which is deception. So that means we can read the word of God and be like, that's a nice word and still not do it. We can have a prophetic word given to us and be like, that's really kind, but still not activate it or watch for it in our lives. We can sit in church and be like, thank you for feeding me today. I am not going to feed myself. I am not going to do anything. We, we all do this, right? So we have all deceived ourselves in seasons. And isn't that interesting? It doesn't have to take somebody else. It's us not activating the word of God in our lives. And so that's where we have to, uh, we have to do. So um, what does this say? Deceiving yourself is having knowledge without applying it. Having knowledge without applying it. Three times this passage talks about doing. It talks about doing. What am I doing with what I know? Like, love your neighbor. And we did, you know, posting it or living it. You know, it's that whole thing is like, oh, gosh, what am I doing with what I know? What does it actually mean to, do you know the only way I started loving my neighbors? I started going, what does that actually mean? In today's society, God, how am I doing this? Am I not doing this? Because if I'm not, I would rather that you um, challenge me now while I'm on this earth and let us have a talk about it while I stand before your great right throne at the end of my life. Like, um, that is living with the knowledge of we will talk to God at the very end of it all. That, and that is not scary. That's just like, he, we're just going to have a little chat with him. So I'm like, please hold me to a countdown here first. I would pr I'd prefer that. Anyone else? <laughs> so, you know, um, so all of these things, like loving your neighbor, having no other gods before me. Have you ever asked God, what gods do I have before you? How do I activate that in my life? Um, the Good Samaritan, what does that mean in today's times that we're living in? How, how can we activate that? Honor the Lord with your wealth. Zeal for your house consumes me. It's like, la, 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 I don't hear these, these words. I did not listen, so I don't have to uh, deceive myself. Um, I don't know why that accent came out. Um, <laughs> The Lord knows. He loves me. Um, so just a couple more things I want to touch on before we bring this to a close. Um, you know, I love you guys because I think you, we're kind of like building this into our culture is that uh, 
you know, this is a place where, yes, you can be fed, but this really, truly, we pray that the church, the gathering, will be a place of encouragement and activation. That this would be an activation center where we, we would create a church that is almost a little bit disruptive and uncomfortable. That you're very, you're, you know you're very loved, but also we're not going to be like, I'm going to say everything you would love to hear. <laughs> um, and that that's okay. Because a church awake and alive is a powerful church. And I think when, when we as the Western church are asleep, we're just of no threat to the enemy. And so, therefore, when we wake up, we become a threat. And then we wonder, like, why are all these things coming my way? Well, don't even worry about it. You're like, ooh, I'm a threat. What's up? Okay. And so you just have to walk in your authority as a son as a, and walk in community. The problem is when we isolate ourselves and things are coming our way, we're like, oh, it's all getting crazy. I'm stepping away from everything that actually will bring life and encouragement and love. And so this is what we've got to do. Um, what do I – okay. Okay. What stops us, maybe, from activating the word of God in our lives? I know, where do I want to go? I'm looking at which, how much time I have. I want to just bring this to a close. Um, I kind of already touched on it. What stops us? What stops us from activating the word of God in our lives? Maybe thinking it's someone else's job to do. Anyone? <laughs> I'm not an evangelist. I am not a this. I'm not a that. Oh, the pastors are going to care for that. Meanwhile, like, do you know that we can all shepherd, love, do the work of the evangelist, like prophesy and care for and give words of encouragement to each other? That's when the church gets super healthy, right? Is when you have leaders with vision, but leaders that also are going, hey, what are you going to do about it? Because when that happens, you see the acts, you see the church of acts. It's not the church of knowledge. That book is called, it's not like the book of knowledge. It's the book of Acts, right? And so we've got to understand that as we all act and are activated, like the church becomes super healthy and unstoppable. And so we've got to keep caring for ourselves. I, I was thinking about, so my, many of you know, I've cried all my tears, so I'm not even going to cry right now. My parents have just um, li- li- moved to the West Coast. And so we just had an open house at our home. And um, we just said, anybody who wants to come, I mean, we invited people, and then we told those people, invite anyone you want, right? And we, we think over 100 people came through our house. And my dad, like, literally hates parties. At the very, like, hates them. At the very end, he's like, I'm so energized. I don't know why. That was the best party ever. And I was like, whoa. And I said, you know why, Dad? Because for the last eight years, you have poured into every single one of those lives. And all of those people came to pour back and give honor to you. And I realized as I watched, um, I went, wow, this is the body of Christ. And everyone was, people were texting me that I was like, I was praying and prophesying over people. This was so much fun. Like, we saw the church just in our house. And I just had so much joy. I'm like taking out a million trashes. People are like, can I help you? I'm like, no, go talk to my parents. You know, I, I enjoyed the mess of having people in our church going, man, this church is alive. And I I guess I'm just encouraging you because I'm like, I feel like God's building something beautiful. And as we continue to care for each other, that's what I saw that night while I watched everybody just loving on each other. I was like, this is a church that is for each other. And as we're getting out there in the times we're living in, we we are living toward eternity. So the team can come up. Um, You know, what else stops us from activating? I mean, I already kind of talked about it, apathy, asleep, being being asleep, Um, feeding ourselves with everything else but God. (laughs) I talk about this all the time, but y'all, we all do this. It's kind of like, I'm tired. I'm going to feed myself with everything else except for, you know what? Sometimes all we need to do is turn off every form of entertainment and just turn on worship and just like fall asleep and sit in the presence of God or whatever that is for you. And, um, and just feed yourselves with something that will cause you to come alive again. And, uh, and I really, really believe that. So 
Um, obviously, there's no condemnation here uh, because we're all on a journey, aren't we? And we all want to move forward. We all want to live toward the eternal. We all want to go, God, what's my part to play in the times that we're living in? Because it's not a mistake that we're alive today or that we're gathering here as a church. And so, uh, you know, in Tokyo, Rob Plummer, um, Rod Plummer, sorry, uh, it's, a, it's a church of people that when they get saved, they have no context of church, right? They're literally the 1%. To be baptized is a really big deal in Tokyo because when you baptize, when you get baptized, it's a public declaration of your faith and you can be disowned by your family. So these guys have no context for the word of God. So he's got to show them in a, in a city and in a place where it's not, you know, cool to be a follower of Jesus. He has to give them something practical. So he literally helps them to bring the word of God into their lives. And this is super simple. All he said is spend 10 minutes every day or even five minutes and read the Bible and then ask yourself two questions. Some of you need to take notes for this because this will be a key for you to just live toward eternity in your life. Maybe 10 minutes, five minutes, right when you first wake up, maybe just do this. But as, read a passage, pick a, pick a, pick a book in the Bible. Um, and then after you do, just ask yourself two questions. What do I believe God is saying to me today? And then what am I going to do about it? That's it. What do I believe God is saying to me today? And then what am I going to do about it? And that is how you can activate the word of God in your life. Super simple, but that's how you can live towards eternity. And I love that there's no condemnation. Some of you are wondering, what do I do next? Maybe that's it. Maybe that's your next step. But there's an ancient Chinese philosopher, Lao Tzu, who said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So today, take a single step. Grab a book out there. Take one of the books. Take a Bible if you need a Bible. If you're like, gosh, I don't have a Bible. Maybe, maybe you get distracted on your phone. Who's grateful for apps, but also apps, okay? <laughs> so like maybe you just need an old-fashioned paper Bible so you can crack it open and read that. I don't know what it is, but take a step today. And for many of you, maybe that first step that you want to take is towards Jesus is, you know, I say this every time, but it's because it's for the person who is not following Jesus. And I love where Jesus makes it very clear to us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to the Father that no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And again, we live in a world where it's like, you know, we're speaking our own truths, but Jesus is saying, no, you guys, I actually am truth. I'm truth incarnate. He is the way in which we are to walk and follow. He shows us the way to live. You read the gospels, that's confronting. He's like, hey, follow me. We're like, in all these ways? We're like, can I pick the comfortable ones? He's like, well, I mean, that's up to you, but follow me. <laughs> Free will comes into play. And he says, and I am the life. You know, some of you are looking for the meaning of life. And Jesus is like, I'm actually all of those things. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way to the Father's heart, the one that created you. So just close your eyes for a minute because all over this place, maybe you're in a season or a time where someone brought you to church or you Google church and you showed up. Or maybe you've never had a faith before. Or you've never followed Jesus, but something is pulling you towards him. That's the spirit of God. That's God bringing you home. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. You wouldn't say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Christ. I'm not talking to people who have had a bad week or, or year, even if you're following Jesus. I'm talking to people who do not follow Jesus. Today, I want to ask you, do you want to turn from your ways, repent of your ways, and follow Jesus into the arms of the Father, into his way, his truth, his life? Let go of your own truth. Let go of your own way and what you thought the meaning of life was and surrender that all and follow Jesus. If that's you all over this place, I would love to pray for you right where you are. If you want to follow Jesus today, turn from your 
our ways and become a Christian, bold and powerful in the times that we're living in, filled with the Holy Spirit, bringing the kingdom of heaven wherever you go, right where you are at the count of three. I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me, and we're going to pray right where you are. So all over this place, if that's you, you want to follow Jesus, the count of three, just lift your hand. One, two, three, lift them up. All over this